We are wrapping up a series that we call Turn Ye Northward, using good old King James language. Turn Ye Northward from that text in Deuteronomy when the children of Israel at the end of 38 years of wandering had been in that land called Sinai and Goshen and they were just going around in circles and poetically the writer said uh, the direction of God through Moses was that it was time to turn north and go to Canaan and the language was that they had encompassed again back to the old King James they had encompassed circled this mountain long enough it was time to move forward to move to their destiny and then there were some beautiful lines in that text that as they moved to their destiny, they would pass through the lands of their brothers, the Edomites. That's an astonishingly, astonishingly inclusive statement because the Edomites were the children of Esau. They weren't of Israel at all. And yet they were called the brothers of Israel. And they were even warned that their brothers would not like them passing through. Uh, their siblings of the Edomites would not appreciate them being there. But the admonition was, don't fight with them. They'll be afraid of you, don't be afraid of them. They won't like you, like them. Eat their food, drink their drink, and pass through peacefully, and don't make war. As you're moving to the place of your destiny, just stay, as we say in the 12-step world, stay in your own hula hoop. And don't make war with those outside. They won't understand you. They don't have to understand you. You barely understand yourself. Just get to where you're going. We took that text uh, two years ago as a church when we were really embroiled in, in the conversation about what is Scripture, who is Jesus, what is Christianity. Specifically, we were embroiled as a church in the subject of inclusion for the LGBT plus community. And we took that text and kind of gave a clarion call that it was time for us to move and to turn northward. At that time, a lot of people said, well, where is north? Where are we going? It's kind of scary to set out on a journey and not know the destination. We all are control freaks to some degree, aren't we? We like to know. And we didn't exactly know then where we were going. We didn't know where we were going. And two years later, here we are. For good or bad, I think mostly extremely good, we are here. And we wanted to give definition now, uh, not complete definition, but with retrospect to where have we come in these two years? Who are we as a community? And what are our theological, philosophical, worldview sensibilities? How do we see God? How do we see Jesus? How do we see life, humanity? How do we see large issues like salvation and sin, all of these major uh, issues that Christianity has been talking about for 2,000 years. How do we see the Bible? We came up with five tenets that we don't mean to impose upon anybody else, and these five certainly are not exhaustive, but I think they're indicative of who we have become as a community. And again, the sensibilities or the, the hermeneutic, the lens through which we see life, and those five theological, philosophical tenets or sensibilities are, first, we are a people who really adhere to the idea of inherent union, not inherent separation. That's been a big one for us. Um, we believe that people are born in union with God and that salvation 
is actually growing into the fullness of how safe you have always been. Recognizing that your belovedness have, has always been there. We love the story of the prodigal son. We think it's an archetype. The prodigal son did not take a linear journey from child of the devil to child of the father. The prodigal son was born in union with the father but could not appropriate that. Could not actualize that, to use Maslow's terms. He just could not frame who he was. And he took a long circular journey and salvation was ultimately coming home to whom he had always been and never fully been able to appreciate. So inherent union, radical inclusivity, the belief that progressive revelation continues, that God is still speaking and even sacred texts like the Bible are still unfolding. They're not changing as much as we're changing and our eyes and our ears are able to hear and see things that we couldn't before. Uh, Mel did an incredible message on the fourth tenet and that is that eternal life is not just in the by and by but eternal life is now. And, and this beautiful idea of you know, our entire religious experience is not about using this as a practice ground for the next life, but we are to live fully the eternal life of God now. And the great mystery of the afterlife, we are sure will resolve by us parlaying whatever good work and life we live here into that next space. But we should focus here. And then the fifth was mind as friend. I addressed that one last week, that we don't think science and reason and philosophy are antithetical to faith. We actually think they're at the base and the basis of faith. So those five tenets. Um, to that end, we just wanted to take a week like we often do and just do Q&R with you. Uh, more and more, our, the pedagogy of the church from our perspective is that the body of Christ is where the word of the Lord lives richly. And we, we believe that the word was made flesh and still is. And more than black letters on a white page and ancient text and, you know, talking head gurus at the front of the stage, which we don't pretend to be anymore, we really have found that when we pass the mic here, the word of the Lord dwells richly among us. And from this fleshly body comes a lot of beautiful stuff. So we wanted to pass the mic today. Um, Mel, you have something to add to that, I'm sure. There we are. Hi, Wes. I'm sorry. Wes was entranced in what was being said there, and he just got <laughs> lost. It happens. No. Totally understand. It's okay. It's okay. Um, as, we, as you're thinking about your questions and your responses, I was thinking as you were quoting that text, as we uh, passed through the valley of the... Who was it? Edomites. I was thinking, as you pass through the valley of Facebook, be kind to your friends. Yeah. I've had some interesting dialogue this week but literally that life application is as you go through this they will fear you do not fear them be kind to them respond to them and know that you're moving through this place and that preached to me yeah. so thank you for that so you want to we want to hear from you who's so got what? the microphones we've got some on both sides some all right so it's sides. not just and again we don't do question and answer we do question and response well, it can just be commentary yeah. too it doesn't have to be in the form absolutely of a question. So out of these last few weeks, out of those tenets, has something come up for you? And, and remember, somebody's got to be the brave soul to prime the pump, get going. So who wants to do that? If you don't, I'm giving you 30 seconds. I'm going to preach. So.
representing church. Hold your mic a little bit closer here, won't be. Um, a movement, uh, just by a simple shirt, walking through a crowd, people wondering, what is that? Where, where's that from? And it touched a lot of us yesterday. And um, I can't be more blessed to be here in a great place, to feel the love, to feel the, the music that we get every week, your, your teachings. It's, it's an awesome place. And for us to be four hours away and people say, thank you for being brave to wear your shirt. It's not just because of who I am personally, it's because of who we are. And uh, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Wonderful. So how many of you guys went to Dollywood? 16. 16 and you wore your hu just people, human shirt? Yeah. Gas station videos. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Now, when we get in small groups, you like to talk, so come on, y'all. Oh, it takes a while, but they always get going. I don't get nervous anymore. <laughs> growing up, if you give like 15 seconds, there would be a tongues and interpretation where I was growing up. So <laughs> we couldn't stand space or silence. Sister, sister nations would always have a fresh hot ta talk for everybody. It was amazing. It was always the same thing, but there was always a different interpretation. I had no idea how that worked. And I never could figure out how in Northeast Arkansas, God chose to speak King James English to us. I mean, with all of our double negatives and ain'ts, it would always be, yea, I say unto thee. And I never believed it. I thought one of these days, if somebody gives an interpretation of a tongue with an ain't and a double negative, I'm going to say, man, the Lord's talking to us. <laughs> Comments about progressive yes, yes, versus traditional. Steve. Yep. So I grew up, maybe like a lot of you, uh, fiercely evangelical. Um, either or. You were on my team or you weren't on my team. And if you weren't on my team, that wasn't good. That's bad. And, um, and, I, and I suppose, you know, even coming into Grace Point, I had that mentality a lot. I believe now. And I don't feel at all like I have to argue somebody into the kingdom of God. You know, I grew up with four spiritual laws. I don't know if you guys remember all of that. Right? Amen is right. Remember we, I, I used to leave tracks in the bathroom because I knew people would sit down and read. And, <laughs> you know, I haven't given out a track a long time, in a long time, but I know what we do as a community is we live this thing, and it's so much easier than trying to feel like I've got to argue somebody into Jesus. And um, those five things that you hit, they really crystallize for me exactly what I now believe and why I believe it. And at Thanksgiving and Christmas, when my 83-year-old mother-in-law, who was a missionary in the Philippines, is a conservative Baptist who calls and 
wants to have lunch with my wife and cries over lunch wanting to know if we believe in a literal hell. This last week, and my wife can simply easily say no. But she didn't feel like she had to argue her mom into also believing that. We're all on a path. <laughs> so I'm really grateful where we've come for uh, come to in the last two years. Because it's really helped me put words on what my soul and my spirit's always known. Uh -huh. I really want to stand up. Um, I just want to express my gratitude, um, especially for last week's message. I haven't been here very long, but um, I've literally and figuratively been thumped on the back of my head by my family and pretty much excommunicated from them because of my beliefs and have been told that I'm going to burn in hell and my children are going to burn in hell and all of that good stuff. Um, so, but there is just something that just, and I don't know, your sermons are very smart and I don't understand half of it, but <laughs> I just don't. But there's just something here that just resonates with me and I just wanna express my gratitude for this message because I feel like um, I'm in the right place and it's very thankful for that, so thanks. Thank you, I think. Next. Over here. <laughs> no, thank you. Over here. Um, for us, I just want to say for Michelle and I, this is echoing what Steve was saying. It's a, it's finding that middle ground between something that is an addiction to rules and the other life that just doesn't care, that just does church. And this has been, like the song said, that rest for you here. It's just between the pendulum. We both grew up in conservative, evangelical Christian homes. And over the last few months, we both had our parents come to visit. And it was interesting seeing the dynamics between the two of those one set of parents were very much so that the message is wrong. You shouldn't be going here. You're not learning. And that's what it was all about. And the other set of parents completely missed it. They, their feedback was that the music was nice and they were happy to see a wide range of people. And it makes me sad for both sides. It's just a different addiction to one end. So I appreciate that we've been able to find a place that doesn't struggle against either, but is comfortable with just being what it is and moving forward. I appreciate that. Having these laid out from my mind, it helps because I have an OCD mind, so I appreciate the five tenets that I can think through, but it's still not something that I feel like I have to struggle hard against or yeah. for either way, it just is. Sandy. Run, Dale. Hi, so being a type A, I wrote some notes. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say something that's really very simple here to, to the point about Stan's uh, uh, sermons. Um, I'm older than many of you here, and not fitting into organized religion is nothing new for me. So it started when I was six years old, and I had a neighbor who was a different religion than me, and my school taught that you had to have that same religion as me, or you'd go to hell. So I asked my mother, what's going to happen to my friend Wendy? And she didn't have an answer for me, so that started my questioning right off the bat. Um, I tried over and over again, and the list of sins that we all seem to have kept growing and growing with organized religion, and by at some point, you're just out on so many levels. So the last 35 years, I've been going it alone as a Christian. I think there are many of us out there that have been going it alone as a Christian. 
It's not easy going it alone, and I don't think silently going it alone is who we're meant to be. So in conclusion, this church, this community is very important, and I want you all to realize that. We're fairly new here. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Those of you that don't know me, I'm Chris Allen. I have been here a year and three months, and I just wanted you to know that I feel very much like those of you that are new. Uh, I learned something every Sunday. I grew up in the Church of Christ and went to a Christian college, went to a Christian school, knew the scriptures inside and out, backwards and forwards, knew the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic, but Stan and Melissa have a, a God-given gift to be able to open our eyes to many things. And as long as we have Christ in this building and we address him in our prayers and pray through him and ask his spirit to dwell in this place, I think we can all grow and develop and learn. My family, uh, just I'm a history buff, my, my ancestors uh, left England in 1620 and came here. Why did they leave England? They left their mansions, they left their money, they left their homes, their friends and families. They came here. My 14th grandmother, Mary Chilton, and her family came here because they wanted to hear the Bible in a different way. And I think 14 generations later, their grandson is feeling the same way. So may God bless us all bless this church. A question um, oh. from an online reader, okay. Great. listener. I'm going to see if I can read it. Let's see. One of the five tenants. Yeah, I need glasses. Oh, Lord. One of the five tenants that we are born in communion with God. Who does we include? Do you believe that all humans will eventually return to that communion with God? Does the opportunity to remember that we are beloved end at physical death? Yes. Do we believe all people are born in union yes. with God? Yes. yes. Absolutely. All people are children of God. I, I agree with Paul in Acts 17 when he was addressing people who were not of the Christian faith at Mars Hill. He said, as your own poets say... We are all the children of God. Paul then went on to express what he believed to be a fuller revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. But even in addressing them, Paul's evangelism was soft, kind, loving, and inclusive because he said, since we are children of God, let us think better thoughts about God. And so we do have that sense that people are all born at union with God. Absolutely. Others? Shannon? I wrote some notes too. Um, I read a lot and I go to the, um, the Grace Point page where the recommended reading is and I picked up one called A Tree Full of Angels. Mm. Just kind of randomly because it was that kind of thing. But I'm paraphrasing one of the quotes that I had written down. Um, I no longer have to rely on your story to validate my faith. Yes. And it was mainly talking about how you grow up inheriting 
the faith of your parents, grandparents, and all that. And um, just after you know being here, I've been here for over a year now. I don't feel like I have to argue, as everyone else was saying, have to argue somebody down about what I believe or what what even they believe. I'm not trying to go in a back and forth with them anymore. Um, I believe now that my life shows my faith, and instead of talking a good game like they want to talk a good game, I just live what I believe, and people actually respond to that more so than what I'm actually trying to tell them or show them. I'm just living the life that I believe I should be living, how God wants me to live it, and people respond in a way that is more positive than when I tried to come at them a different way, trying to make them believe what I believe to. And so I just am grateful for this community and the opportunity to grow and learn at my own pace and just live. And yeah. sing for us sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glenn. I just wanted to add something you said as a throwaway line kind of a minute ago that that was that these five tenants are, I think you said, not exhaustive, but we're indicative. Um, that having something to be able to boil this down is huge for some of us who've been out in the world or people may ask kind of what is it that we do? What, what is it that makes you different? Having that be able to be boiled down is very helpful. Um, but I, I love that. I feel like if we did that same thing six months from now, the five would be the same, but the exhaustive could be so much more and so different. And, and I, I think that's, yeah, because I've, I've run into people who have said, well, I, I went to your page and there's, you know, everybody's looking for this bullet by bullet, what do we believe, um, what am I signing up for, and being able to see that sort of described as principle and journey and walk and not rule and letter and it is, is just, uh, yeah. also a question. This is my third service here, and uh, I've heard both of you preach, and speaking of uh, arguing, usually I was raised in Church of Christ, and usually when I still go to traditional churches today, um, I'm arguing with the preacher in my head half the time. I'm a lawyer, so I guess that's part of the, my uh, process, <laughs> but uh, with the two of you, I, I didn't argue with anything you said in my head. It was the truth that I've sort of grown to learn over my 20s and 30s. Um, and, I, and I also learned a lot. So thank you very much for having that place here. Um, my question is that um, traditional churches have a big outreach community or aspect, I think, because they're trying to partially save people from hell, and I also don't believe that there is a literal hell after we die, but I think that the message that you guys have here, and I just moved recently from Los Angeles, is a rare and special one, and is there, um, or what is the, the, um, the outreach and maybe the efforts that are going on or that, that we can be more a part of to tell other people that are, you know, suffering through the same, going through the traditional church and then growing up and thinking for themselves and understanding that that's not their truth. Mm -hmm. 
And then, you know, being a Christian alone, as was said by one of the other commentators. So since if we don't believe in hell, we don't have that pull, what kind of um, pull or how can uh, we be better who have come to that realization, which is a huge relief to not think that you're going to burn in hell. Uh, if you happen to be hit by a bus, which I did for, you know, a good part of my, my 20s, and I think that would be such a relief for other people also, whether it's, uh, and it doesn't have to be a difference, there's a different, uh, there's the sexuality aspect that has come into this church in the past two years that you mentioned, but there's a whole host of other things I think that are part of the Bible. If you look at the literal words that are not really true, I don't think that God actually feels that way. And so that's kind of my question is how we can help other people. Um, on the myriad of different belief systems that could benefit from a group of like-minded people. That's great. What's your name? Crystal. Crystal. Nice to meet you, Crystal. Welcome, first of all. Um, we have wrestled. I hear you asking a little bit, how are we doing outreach and how are we almost marketing ourselves? That's a part of your question, I think. And we wrestled with that. I wrestled with that over the seven years that I've been here because we respect people's journeys. And we think everyone's at their own pace, and so there's a part of us that's like, if you need us, you'll find us, especially as all of us individually live our lives. Like, that's been the beautiful, organic, slow growth of this church. Um, then there's the other side that where we could put a big billboard up that's like, instead of got milk, like, got gays? We got them. Come on. Um, or don't need hell? We don't either. You know, like, you could be real. <laughs> that's where you'd go. <laughs> none of that feels right though right that doesn't feel because we have this beautiful authentic I know we laugh but somebody actually suggested that um <laughs> we've got this beautiful authentic community that we want to tell people about but we also don't want it to turn into this marketing scheme because honestly we want this church to grow because we think people need it. We don't want this church to grow for the sake of saying, ooh, we have a lot of people here at Grace Point. Like, we want to go deep, and it's hard to go deep with large groups of people. Um, so, so that's part of it. But I think a huge part is living your life, as Shannon was talking about, every one of us. Don't trust us by our words. Look at our life. Look at the way we live our life. So if we live our lives well, and if you keep your ear open, be it to Facebook or your friends or your work community, as people struggle with things, um, especially as people go through grieving processes and through tragedies and whatnot, they start to ask questions. And you be available to be there, not to give them new answers, right, but to be there and sit with them. And open. often that will open the door to like, okay, wait, you're different. Wait, you think a little differently. Wait, your God that you're talking about seems different than my God, and it'll open doors. So I hope that that happens really organically. Um, and then as far as outreach in general, we try to instill and we'll continue to do better at this on how are we living this out well? How are we not just talking about this and coming together on Sundays, but how does this affect then our neighborhoods and our communities? How are we going to the Black Lives Matter movements or out with the homeless or into Timothy's gift for the prison ministry? Like we want you to find your thing and empower you to be able to do that. Well said. Hi, Steve. Hi, I'm Steve. Um, unlike a lot of you, I come from the West where um, I guess all these evangelical churches aren't so strong, but I never had, I guess, the, uh, um, the benefit of all of the indoctrination. I just wandered. <laughs> and I felt like I had a faith. I knew I had a faith in God, but there was nothing that ever attracted me because every time I'd find something, I'd see judgment. And I was like, this is not a part of me. 
And so I kind of bounce off different things. And I bounced for six decades until I found Grace Point. And um, I walked in here initially because of the music. A friend of mine said, great music. Okay, well, that's a good start. But um, the next three years, we're going to Midrash every Wednesday night for three years. And for the first time in my life, I read the Bible. And for the first time in my life, I understood the stories and what they meant to me personally. And then as we uh, went through this process, actually the day of the, the inclusionary notice, I was gone. I came back and there's all this hubbub and I, they said, well, we just went, you know, inclusionary. I said, that was the way it was the last few years of I'm, I'm concerned. I, what, what's the big deal? Uh, so it was like, okay, uh, we're saying it. But anyways, the, the five that you came up with, finally for me, give me ability to articulate and simply to myself first what I believe. And then others that I run into, it's simple to explain where I'm at. And the people I've talked to, um, it just makes sense. <laughs> and that's been the problem that I've had all my six decades of wandering. It never made sense to me. And tonight, today it makes sense. And I'm blessed to be here with people who won't judge me. I won't judge you. We just love on each other. So let's keep loving. Awesome. We have one over here. Sydney. Hi. Um, so as we're talking about encircling and being um, encompassing people who we might have failed to restart. So I really struggle with boundaries. So my whole thing with this, this whole series is how do we, I guess the thing is, it's tempting to approach our progressiveness as we did our fundamental ways. And so I really resonate with what Shannon had to say about, you know, just living. And that sounds great, and it is great. But then what happens when we have these outside sources, family members, friends who are really concerned that just won't let, like, just won't stop? Can we talk about the struggle there of setting healthy boundaries and still being able to love them? Or is there a, necess a necessity to just walk away? And how do we... Do that. I, I love what Brian McLaren said, and sometimes this isn't enough for those that love us. And frankly, many of the people who love me very painfully now because of this way of thinking, um, they love me sincerely, and they are very consistent with what they believe. They think that I am not only jeopardizing my own soul, but the soul of my children, and they love us. And it's, it's hard to be angry at someone loving you. At the same time, I, uh, I have simply had to say as an adult, it's just time to move on from that conversation. And I, a soft answer turns away wrath, and those conversations end up having a lot of wrath in them because they're about the wrath of God. So a wrathful God gives his children plenty of reason to be wrathful. We end up acting like the God we serve. But I remember Brian McLaren when he was here said, you know, instead of engaging the argument that is so fruitless over and over and over again it's fruitless Brian said I just listen and as they're waiting on my response my response generally is something like this huh I really don't see it that way huh and then you move on and I have diffused so many people Roy waiting on me to give the big long response just by saying yeah I hear what you're saying. 
I don't get that at all. Anyway, how about those Cardinals yesterday? 3-2 <laughs> over the Cubs. You know, there's a point where you just diffuse and deflect, just do Tai Chi, and you know, you don't, you don't absorb the energy, you just deflect the energy because the conversation really goes nowhere. But I will say to that end, the deflection in the moment never fully satisfies my heart because those relationships are strained now and they're pained and they're not as enjoyable as they used to be and there is there is some loss in this um, but if you can get to a point I think especially with people that you're very close to that you want to continue relationship with if you can get to a point to have that honest conversation where we say we have to agree to disagree and we still love each other so if every um, meeting, if every conversation is going to be a fight, this isn't working, but if we can just agree to disagree, but how do we move forward then in relationship and talk about anything else? I mean, I think you have to get very honest and get specific, like, we're obviously not going to agree on this, religion, politics, whatever it is, but I still want to be in this with you, and at least open the door, and if they don't respond well, then I think at that point you can walk away. I think it just depends on the relationship. At the heart of progressive spirituality is curiosity. And we deeply value the idea of holding mystery. Mystery used to drive me nuts. Mystery had to be resolved. Part of our zeitgeist growing up within the Christian church was your eternal destiny depends upon you believing right. So there was always this heavy onus on believing right. It's amazing that in Matthew 25 when Jesus tells us what he's going to say at judgment, he doesn't say well believed. He says well done. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. And we who have been his worshipers and missed the whole point of what Jesus was saying, we said, when did we see? Our eyes were heaven, heavenward singing praises to this demigod. And Jesus said the whole thing was supposed to be seeing me, seeing Christ in creation and the people around you. So um, believers, we've even been called believers. That was like one of our chief monikers is that we were believers. So we have this heavy onus and this driving inertia to believe right and I don't sense that anymore I sense um, that mystery is a good thing and that even as mysteries unveil they create more mysteries and I don't feel like I am hanging over the fires of hell um, and everything depends upon you know that thread holding me depends upon me having accuracy in my doctrines or certainty in my theology so we are a courageous, curious bunch who are always exploring and at the heart of progressive spirituality, just like at the heart of good science, is, is this courage to say there are no sacred cows. There are sacred things, but there are not sacred cows. Sacred cows are those things that you will literally starve to death beside. And within a progressive form of spirituality, we are not willing to starve spiritually in the presence of a sacred cow. Now, we may examine that cow and decide not to eat it or consume it, but we will do so after careful inquiry. Because the history of the church for 2,000 years is we have been dismantling sacred cows forever. It is a part of our history that we always resist. We are not at Grace Point doing something different than the Christian church has ever done. We're just admitting that we do it. And we're not only admitting that we're doing it, we're inviting people to do it and saying this is a part of our economy. I read something this morning by Derek Sivers. It's a commentary on Stephen Pressfield's War of Art, and maybe we'll close with this. He says, the artist and the fundamentalist arise from societies at different stages of development. 
The artist is the advanced model. Her culture possesses affluence, stability, enough excess of resource to permit the luxury of self-examination. The artist is grounded in freedom. He is not afraid of it. He is lucky. The artist was born in the right place. She has a core of self-confidence, of hope for the future. He believes in progress and evolution. His faith is that humankind is advancing, however haltingly and imperfectly, toward a better world. The fundamentalist entertains no such notion. In his view, humanity has fallen from a higher state. The truth is not out there awaiting revelation. It has already been revealed. The word of God has been spoken and recorded by a prophet. Fundamentalism is the philosophy of the powerless, the conquered, the displaced, and the dispossessed. The fundamentalist cannot stand freedom. He cannot find his way into the future, so he retreats to the past. He returns in imagination to the glory days. His creativity is inverted. He creates destruction. Fundamentalism and art are mutually exclusive. There is no such thing as fundamentalist art. The truly free individual is free only to the extent of his own self-mastery. Those who will not govern themselves are condemned to find masters and systems to govern over them. Individuals who are realized in their own lives almost never criticize others. If they speak at all, it's just to offer encouragement. Everybody's on their journey. And at the, corner, at the cornerstone of our Christocentrism is this Jesus who smiled wistfully at his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion and said something that looms over us, not like a dark cloud, but a bountiful cloud full of rain and abundance. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, I have many things that I want you to know, but I can't tell you because you can't bear them now. But as the Spirit comes and as your capacity and consciousness grows, you will with time grow ears to hear and eyes to see. That is the history of human civilization. That's the history of creation. It's the history of the Christian church. Let's just admit it, quit being scared of it, and enjoy the ride. Can you say amen? amen. To that end. So I'd love for us to continue this conversation online on the community page. If you had questions, I know a couple of you had questions and commentary, please get on that community page on our Facebook uh, page and tell us about it. We'd love to interact with you. Also, come to Coffee and Conversation on Wednesday. This is where we do yep. this type of conversation. Hey, Aaron, could you pull in that blessing so we can end with that, please? Um, in the meantime, don't forget about tailgating next week. Um, we're trying to find different options for our after lunch fellowship. So we'll head over to Tin Roof today if you want to join us and eat um, and continue and, and eat together. And also next week we'll do the tailgating. And then maybe sometimes we'll head over to the food court for a cheaper option. But we just like to continue hanging out. So would you stand with me and let me read this over us as we close. Sisters and brothers, remember God is at the very least all things good, true, and beautiful, and yet we sense God is also so much more. Our worship has ended, but now our service begins. Hear that, our worship has ended, but now our service begins. Go forth then from this place. You are beloved and the whole world awaits and needs you, every one of you. So live passionately, love faithfully, and celebrate every moment until we meet again, would you say? Amen. God bless y'all. Have a great week. Invite somebody. This is a good place. Amen.